In a world where chronic DVD and Blu-ray acquisition disorder runs amok, Colin faces a daunting task. With a collection of over 1,200 titles, can he bring himself to watch the 65 films that sit on his shelves, unwatched, unloved, and still under wraps? Hello and welcome to Still Under Wraps. My name is Colin and with me as always is my fellow film watcher, compadre and son, Thomas. Hi, hello. Hello, welcome. Pregnant pause. Yes. Your challenge this week, Thomas, is to come up with a very brief synopsis as to what this podcast is all about so that I don't have to try and make it up every week. Mm. There's a challenge for you. Right. Uh, to go with the uh, ongoing challenge, the ongoing challenge of the new opening theme that mm. wasn't played this week. No. <laughs> I mean, look, if you don't want to, if you feel that that would be like changing a TV show's opening theme uh, the, midway through, the the problem will be more if I have any ideas that that actually work. Yes. <laughs> Mm, there's a challenge, everyone, to name a TV series that had a theme music change during its... Uh, right. Mm, I can think I, of one offhand. I feel like I know one. In fact, I've just thought of a second one. Oh, basically any Japanese anime. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of uh, the reboot of Doctor Who. Yes. That has... I don't know whether it's every season or every Doctor. I think it's every Doctor. It's sort of between... Between the two, okay. And Press Gang. Yep. Had a bit of a spruce up in the uh, letter. I mean, even even original Doctor Who had... It did. variation. Yes. Anywho... Let's get straight into this. We have a collection of film that's fairly extensive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, within that collection, there are DVDs that I have bought with the intention of actually watching those films for the Mm. first time and have never got round to it. So the stack of DVDs that fall into that category of unwatched, unloved and still under wraps is fairly extensive, although we are nibbling away at it. Yes, this season two, we will endeavour to nibble away at some more. Yes. And we will watch the films and then discuss them a little bit. It's not necessarily a review or anything like that, Mm. but ultimately the determination at the end will be me deciding whether that film is worthy of staying on the shelf. And... I'm weary. Uh-huh. <laughs> I walked uh, twenty-three, almost twenty-three kilometres today. Right. Hmm. Uphill and down dale, and up more hills, and there seem to be more ups than downs. I don't know quite how mm. that works, but yeah, that that math doesn't seem like it should check out. No, no. Well, I guess it depends on where I started. Yeah. <laughs> Did you start here? Yes. Right, so so no, that mass doesn't check out. It depends on whether I ended here. Did you end here? No, I'm still walking, Thomas. Right. Yeah, I'm still out uh-huh. there. Okay. Um, so, this week, we are watching a film that is based 
I believe, I'm assuming, although I am a bit concerned looking at the cover because instantly I know that it veers off somewhat from the original uh, book that I read as a teenager quite regularly and is in fact somewhere on the shelf as a, in book form. I went mm. looking for it earlier, but uh, books have migrated left, right and centre in this house, but it's somewhere. And the, the film is the, uh, the adaptation of... Zed for Zachariah. And note, we say Zed for Zachariah. Our dear listener in the US is probably pulling their hair as we say Zed for Zachariah. I mean, really, we probably should be saying Z for Zachariah, seeing as it, it's, it's... It is set in the US. Mm. However, when I asked Google what is the running time for Z for Zachariah, dear Google replied, Z for Zachariah's running time is... Yeah. 90 so, you know, Google but, replied but, Z um, for Z, so it must is, be Z. Isn't our Google Home set to um, English Australia? Yes, and as we are in English Australia, mm. then we're calling it Z. As opposed to Latin Any Australia. Any complaints <laughs> for us pronouncing it that way, uh, you may... Send an email in, and we or a message on the Facebook page, and the link is on the show notes. So, Thomas, would you be so kind as to read the plot synopsis on the back of the case as I cringe um, as it mentions things that aren't in the book? Right. What remains after the world ends? After a nuclear holocaust has virtually wiped out the human race, a small pocket of paradise still exists, where two heartbroken survivors are trying to rebuild their shattered lives. When another mysterious survivor wanders out of the radiation zone and into their lives, their precarious bond of trust begins to unravel. Yes. Interesting. Mm. Um, uh, And I will mention how it... uh veers off from the book uh, once we have watched the film. Thomas, would you do the honours and sure. take it out of its wrap? As, as soon as I find a viable corner, or even even just a viable side. Oh, yeah, there we go. That, that should do nicely. Yeah. It's out of its wrap. The case is open. The DVD is what it claims to be on the box. Mm, And is printed in monochrome. Excellent. And so we're going to pop that into the... Well, Thomas is. I'm going to sit back and watch him do it. Um, And we're going to watch that and we'll get back to you and talk about that. And we'll flip you on the catch side. Side to turn B. <laughs> King to bishop seven. Side B. <laughs> okay. Bye.
a very slight movie. Hmm? But, uh, hmm. Thoughts? I, I think I liked it. Yeah, look, I guess I benefited from the, uh, the fear factor of how much it was going to diverge from the book that I have read many, many times. It's been some time since I have read it. It certainly diverged, and I don't want to spoil it for you. It's, a, it, it's not a very long book. Right. And I would suggest reading it. <laughs> so the question is, do I reveal spoilers or not? Well, I'll tell you that I know spoilers. Yes, yeah, you've done some research, mm. haven't you? Okay. Let's just dive right in. So it was based on a book by Robert C. O'Brien. Now, that book was actually published posthumously mm. in 1974 so a very long time ago and his wife and daughter actually completed the book um, using his notes so mm. he didn't end up finishing it and his intention was for it to be an adult book and the book that ended up actually won adolescent type uh, book award right. so it became very popular for the, I guess, young adult fiction mm. before that really became a thing, mm. really. And the same author is probably a lot more famous for having written the book Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Right. Written in 1971, which a, another film was based on, mm. The Secret of Nim, mm. not The Rats of Nim. No. Jeff. So you lose a point. <laughs> um, Jeff ha went on to, uh, I, and I suspect it was prompted by the film, maybe, I'm guessing, mm. unless it's an incredible coincidence. Um, and I have forgiven him for, and I'm not going to remove points for him for suggesting uh, The Rats of Nim. Mm. There is another adaptation as yet unnamed on its way of that book. The at some point in the future, right, I, Ms, I think Mrs. Frisbee. Might, yeah, I think it might be in development hell or something. Uh, oh, okay. But that's as yet untitled. One of Will Wheaton's first films, right? Uh, voicing one of the young mice. But right. Yes. Sorry, a little bit of uh, tidbit of knowledge there, but. Uh, hmm. Yes. The other interesting thing, that the connection wasn't quite made in the film as to why it was called Zed for Zachariah, but uh, that was made clear mm. in the book. There was a moment, yes, where I realised what it was talking yeah, about. Uh, yes, um, when um, Mr Loomis mm. was looking through the books on the shelf and found a kid's book called A is for Adam. Mm. And, and, and presumably, Zed would be for Zachariah. Well, in the book, it went a little further in that um, it was Anne's book, and she remembered thinking that if Adam, who was used for the first letter A, was the first man on Earth, Zachariah, who re represented the letter Z, I said Z, <laughs> must be the last, and likens this to her status as the last survivor of the war. 
Right. Um, and that, that appears early on in the book. Mm. So, uh, yes, so that's, that explains the name of the film. Mm. I was not disappointed in that. I thought it was very, very well done and the pacing was good and um, I don't know why I keep gravitating to pacing, but uh, it represented the the scenario of helplessness and then hope and then helplessness again Mm. um okay big spoiler right uh enough that it will uh provoke the actual spoiler alert here right now this is a spoiler break so if you don't want spoilers then leave before this sound did John kill Caleb? I like that that is left ambiguous. Yes. But the thing is, and, and I certainly felt that ambiguity, because for him to um, die in the way that it may have happened, there were certain... Uh, objects mm. that would have been damaged severely in such a mm-hmm. and that didn't appear to have happened yeah I don't know maybe they tried different endings and and, and what have you so uh, it's it is a conundrum and an ambiguous mm. questionable ending but certainly a different ending to the book. Yes, yes. Oh, oh that's right, you, you've read. <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. So in the book, there were only two characters. Yes. There was only Anne and John turning up and, and Anne nursing John back to health and then John not being a terribly pleasant man no and and there were hints of that in the film but in fact i felt uh, it didn't trouble me that they had taken that different direction Mm. dare i say i i was really surprised that i appreciated the introduction of a third character and i i wasn't expecting that to happen and yeah the the counterbalance and and the end result of the film differing quite substantially from the book for a book that i thought i was quite you know well attached to and right. and really wanted it to cling closely to the book um i wasn't disappointed in what they did right the other interesting thing was that Anne was a little younger in the book right um well it's okay in the book anne was 16 Mm. and i I, yes it was questionable as to what age anne was in the film margot robbie i don't know how old she was when she was that's a good question quite certain it was a number of years older than 16 uh 25 at time of recording hmm okay um but she did play young 25 
Mm. Um, I, I would have picked 18 to 20, maybe. And again, that didn't bother me. In fact, I was a lot more comfortable with um, yeah, how they, they tackled things with that age um, change. Anywho. Oh, I, I don't know what the character's age is. That That's how old Margot Robbie was at, yeah, at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, there is a, a limit to the difference between the age of a person and the mm. age that they're yes. actually performing. Um, case in point, Guy Pearce in Prometheus. Right. The really, really, really old guy. Do you remember the... Right, the really, yes. Really, really old? <laughs> yes. Um, so much makeup that it was just diabolical. And I forgot to mention that in that it just, there was the, the amount of belief suspension that one had to do to be convinced that that actor was that age no, <laughs> just did not work at all. Um, whereas Margot Robbie made a convincing, um, yeah, 18 to 20 year old, I, I would have, which is a good jump from the 16 years, mm. years of age of the the character in the book reduce the amount of ickiness I think. Mm-hmm. spoilers yep. even more spoilers uh-huh. um all right do you have anything else you wish to say uh no 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 i think that might be it one thing i did find um as usual i go and seek for the little bit of interlude music and there was plenty to choose from mm-hmm. but it was a hard pick and as i listened to all these pieces of music they were they were more riffs and ideas of themes rather than mm. um, sweeping orchestral pieces and when I was listening to it, I thought, oh, this is, this is a really average soundtrack. But on watching the film, it worked very well, mm. I thought. Yes. Um, it yes. never got in the way of... Uh, it didn't overwhelm and actually supported the... the... The film was a brisk walk. Yeah, it was a brisk walk, but it didn't... It didn't feel rushed either. No. And when you think of everything that happened in it, they did cram a lot into uh, the hour and a half, basically, that it, mm. it was. Um, and yet the, the character development was, was great. Yeah. Um, there were some accents that I, I don't don't know whether they were natural accents or put on, um, but some of them I found a bit hard to understand. Yeah. There were times where I felt like maybe I should turn the subtitles on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. bunch of story beats that logically followed each other with not very much filler, and that was okay. Yep. Yes. I still don't know what they're going to do with all those vegetables, though. Mm. It, it is a lot. They planted a lot of vegetables. For for what was two people, and then was three people, and now is 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 two people again. Yeah, yeah. Um, it could be. Uh, it was hard. To, I 
couldn't tell what that huge stretch of crop was. There's lots of things. Um, I, I'm just hoping that it was a grain crop that they can store the mm. the seeds and build up a, a stockpile of seeds. But uh, yeah. Anyway, staying on the shelf, mm-hmm. he tackled a subject that ended it well, and I'm surprised and satisfied with it. Mm-hmm. All right, we're on to this segment then. What's on the show? You know it's probably DVDs. So, um, seeing as we have just now eliminated one item from the list in our discussions just now... Have we? Uh, the Rats of Nim, which was on the spreadsheet. It was on the spreadsheet, but did I say that it was on the shelf? Well, you said that it wasn't a real film. What do you, did I say that it wasn't yeah, a real Yeah, you did film? say that it wasn't a real film. You said that The Secret of Nim was a real film. Oh, the, I see what yeah. you mean. No, no, we're, we're leaving that in. Okay. We are leaving that in. What, have you deleted it? No, but I had dragged it down already. Okay. So, so no, because uh, I don't think I've given away whether it is... No, no, we, we won't okay. take... We won't take that away from Jeff. We've okay. been... Cruel, cruel enough to Jeff lately, and uh, let me just say Jeff's name once more, just to appease his the, the cruelty that we've thrust upon him. We will keep up the. Um, there's been some good suggestions as to um, names of film that Jeff likes. The what did we call it? Uh, films that Jeff likes saying the name of yes. or something along, or something those, along lines. those lines I could look it up but I'm not going to um, but would love to see some more contributions there are plenty more out there um, that you just need to go look and uh, links on the show notes mm-hmm. alright 20 20 films in the list there are 20 films on the list uh, let's in the randomizing random randomometer. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. Jill. Jill! Hi, Jill. Thanks for listening. Jill is a regular listener and a contributor to our podcast, and we're grateful for Jill for the contributions that she's made to lists and conversations. Oh, but but Jill has a problem. One one of our dinosaurs is missing. Oh no, one of our dinosaurs is missing. And this does cause somewhat of a dilemma. Okay, so, one of our dinosaurs is missing. Jill knows full well that I have seen it. Mm Mm-hmm. In fact, we saw it together in the Kingswood. Right. Yes, we were in a car. We watched it in a car at one of Tasmania's last drive-in theatres. Right. Yes. In fact, I've only been to the drive-in twice. And one was to see One of Our Dinosaurs is Missing, and one was to see Flash Gordon in Melbourne. Right. Yes. So, she knows full well that I have seen it, but Jill does not know whether Thomas has seen it. I I have not seen it. You have not seen it, indeed. Thomas has not seen it. And this is the tricky... This is the conundrum. At the time of Jill suggesting one of our dinosaurs is missing, it was not on the shelf. No. I 
couldn't help myself. Oh, right. Um, uh, yes, as soon as Jill suggested it, um, I had to order it and I tracked it down. I tracked down a copy from the UK and there is now a copy in DVD form, not Blu-ray. And Jill, I can't, in all fairness, give you a point for it being on the shelf because at the time you suggested it, no, it was not on the shelf. So you do get one point. Mm-hmm. Because we were in the same Kingswood together, I don't think it's fair that no. you get any multiplier whatsoever. <laughs> no. But that's a mighty fine one point that you get for suggesting that. However, I will give you an extra point if you can tell me what else was on in that, that same showing of one of our dinosaurs is missing. Oh. That, that's going to stretch your memory. Um, a multiple billing, was it? it? Well, sort of. I'm not going to say any more than that, but something other than one of our dinosaurs is missing was shown at that screening. Jill, you, you have a week to try and suss out what it was that was shown and hope that my memory is serving me correctly. So that's the <laughs> challenge. Um, look, wasn't that fun? Yeah. Dear listener. Um, thank you, Jill, once more for contributing. That brings our count down to 19, which means we encourage you to give that a bit of a boost. Um, mm. Contribute a suggestion. I haven't explained what this is all about, but we're asking for suggestions from the audience as to what films they believe, you, you believe, they believe, anybody believes is on our shelf that has not been mentioned in previous podcasts and also excluding quite common um, mm. series like Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter. Star Wars again. Star Wars again. <laughs> um, yes, so single movies uh, as a general rule. So, And then we go through the procedures that you've just heard and you get points for whether I've seen it, whether Thomas has seen it, whether it is on the shelf. And if it happens to be in Blu-ray, you get a bonus point. Mm-hmm. And then if it's a film that's out of the box, out of the square, mm. a, a bit obscure suggestion, a risky choice, then we give it a bit of a multiplier to boost that scoring. So thank you again, Jill. One point. And I don't know where that puts you on the leaderboard, but it will it's be somewhere. updated. It is somewhere, indeed. Let's move on. Shake the phone and pick a film, and then we'll watch the film next week. We have the rapidly reducing list of films that are still under wraps. I'm giving the phone a bit of a shake, just to annoy Thomas. He's going to give it a shake. And... He's deep sighing. So it's a box set. Oh boy, another box set. There are three films in it. There are three films in it. They all star John Wayne. Oh, cool. 
Cool. Okay. So the only film that I've seen in that collection, because I know which collection it is, is The Cowboys. Right. Which means that we need a randomizing randomometer so, here. The other two films are The Watchers. I no? think you might be thinking of The Searchers. The Searchers. The Searchers and Rio Grande? Rio Bravo. <sighs> See, I'm running off, off memory of films that I have not seen. So I think I did fairly well there. So, uh, I'm bringing up a toy tossing thing. <laughs> uh, we'll say uh, Heads is The Searchers, Tails is Rio Bravo. And... Tails. So next week we're going to be watching Rio Bravo. Yes. Um, have we watched any westerns in this? Uh, I, I don't think we have. I don't no. think we have. I think this is our first western and our first John Wayne film. Mm-hmm. And? Thomas is just bringing up the plot synopsis. I've got to bring up the uh, picture of the the back of the case because oh really the text isn't there. Oh, so. I'm gonna have to do something about that. So we'll just wait. Oh, oh, okay. That's the one drawback of, and it's it's a drawback, but it's an understandable one. The complexity of entering a box set mm. onto this site is fairly monotonous. And so a lot of people don't bother going all the way with naming everything and putting everything in. On one side is an army of gunmen dead set on springing a murderous sidekick from jail. On the other is Sheriff John T. Chance and his two deputies, one a drunk, the other a cripple. Place your bets. John Wayne is Chance in Rio Bravo, a lean western classic packing solid heroics and a strong emotional core. He's joined by Dean Martin as the deputy coming off a two-year drunk. Oh, good grief. Dean Martin. Walter Brennan as the old coot whose spirit outmatches his hobbled stride. Ricky Nelson as a youth out to prove himself. And Angie Dickinson as a scarlet woman with her eye on Chance. Oh, wow. I'm quite excited about that. Uh, Running time? Uh, Running time appears to be unlisted. Right. Again, uh, yes. So, please join us next week while when we watch John Wayne and Dean Martin and some other people whose names elude me um, in... Rio Bravo. Rio Bravo. I'm, yes... Good oh. My father in law will be pleased. As a regular listener. Not. <laughs> <laughs> but we can talk about it uh, with him and say, hey, guess what we watched the other night? Uh, thanks again, good listeners. And we will catch you next week. Bye. That was abrupt, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Uh, do we, did you want to say anything else no, before we... No, uh, it's about two and a quarter hours. Two, two and a quarter hours. 
Oh, okay. We we wrapped up prematurely there. Yeah. So let's try uh, ending again and saying... Uh, sure. Um, we still look forward to seeing you next week. And bunch, thanks for joining us. A bunch and of links in the show notes if you want them. Yeah. And um, bye for now. Bye. Still doesn't feel quite right, does it? No, no, look, it was sort of like the ending of um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the police are here. (laughs) We'd best be off then. Yes, yes. Okay, well, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so on five, seven, eight, one, three... What was that? Cat. Oh no, is there a cat in the room? No, there's a cat in the other room. Ah. Uh, <laughs> raiding the fridge. Um, uh, hello, 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 hello. G'day. G'day, good listener. Mmm, yes. Dear, dear listener. Dear, good, good listener. Cobbers. Mate. Okay.